1: It's the Dearly Departed podcast, featuring your host, historian Scott Michaels, and filmmaker Mike Dorsey. And welcome to the Dearly Departed podcast. It's our 30th episode.
0: Can our you believe thir- it, it, Scott? Our, yeah, what's the 30th anniversary? Uh, there's a, there's a, you know, there's 25. What do you get for that? Yeah, let's, let's see. Let's see what that is. But uh, yeah, thanks for up. bearing with us. I know it's been a while, and I uh, appreciate <laughs> it.
1: Yeah, and uh, while Scott uh, looks that up, I'm Mike Dorsey.
0: And I'm Scott Michaels.
1: And this is Dearly Departed Podcast. And what do you, what do you get for 30
0: Pearl. You get a pearl necklace, Mike.
1: Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, there's no double entendre with that at all. I don't know either. what
0: you mean. I don't know what you mean. <laughs> All right. So, um, so uh,
1: I was going to ask you, uh, it, it, since it was just Halloween, and we were going to try and do this for Halloween, um, because uh, Newsflash, we were going to talk about the universal monsters of the 1930s on this uh, episode. Uh, that was It was a good follow-up to uh, Freak's. Uh, Todd Browning's Freaks, which was our last episode, so it's a nice little companion piece with that. Mm -hmm. But um, I was thinking about, uh, since it was just Halloween, uh, did you ever have any Halloween traditions growing up, Scott?
0: Well, you know, we did the trick-or-treating thing. In fact, I was just talking to somebody the other day. I think... Most of my, I could never post pictures of like 75% of the costumes I watched for Halloween because I'd be destroyed. <laughs> it's just, you know, it was, yeah. You know, it's just everything has changed and shifted so drastically that uh, you can't, you can't, you can't. So all of it was for, for, ne- for next Halloween, you'd have to go with
1: someone who was canceled.
0: <laughs> yes yes uh so so it, that, what would you do just put one of those yeah i did go one time as a clown police i and this is back in the 80s this is before there was an internet but i did go we had uh, my friend uh bohannon and i we we wore berets we had uh we put little clown symbol bozo symbols with slashes through them and i had a bozo lunchbox and in it i had <laughs> clown makeup remover and pins for for uh, for uh for uh animals for balloon animals and we're just like military with like mag lights and stuff but it was it was the anti-clown police so that was one of one of the good uh, one of the good ones um one- that i that i can talk about <laughs> i was an army kid but yeah just a regular trick-or-treating business we did the devil's night thing too which was i don't i think that was an exclusive to detroit thing that is a we're detroit
1: at, thing yeah
0: yeah so it was the night before what, what- Halloween we called it Devil's Night and we would mm-hmm. go out it was it was prank fun it wasn't nice it was mean but it was kids like writing things on windows with soap you know, it wasn't permanent damage, but sure. it was vandalism. And in the sixties and seventies, it was, you know, it was a little bit more of a nudge, nudge, wink, wink kind of a thing. Now, you know, you know, anyone walking around the night before Halloween is, is <laughs> you can't do it anymore, but it was just a different time and I'm not proud of it, but it was just one of those things. And then it became a whole different thing in Detroit where You know, became famous for, you know, people lighting cars on fire and stuff like that. That was more, that was after I left Detroit. It became a whole different thing. And uh, so then they decided to rename it Angel Night instead. But uh, yeah, (laughs) the fire department were always, (laughs) yeah. But but back when we were kids, it was like throwing eggs and ringing doorbells and running. That's all it was. So it was was more innocent. I'm not saying it was innocent, but anyway. Detroit, man. We were hardcore. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Devil's Night. Uh, I mean, when I was a little kid, I liked the Disney Channel Halloween stuff on Halloween night. It was always fun to watch because you always mm-hmm. go trick-or-treating and then you'd come home and put on, you know, Halloween programming. And, yeah. uh, you know, that's not exactly, uh, you know, no Devil's Night for me, I guess. Uh, one time in college, one of my more tasteless uh, costumes was I went as Buddy Holly after the plane crash. Oh. And uh, my girlfriend at the time went as the president of the Buddy Holly Fan club,
0: and she was my <laughs> Did they date. weep? Stand next to you and just uh, cry?
1: And um, it was pretty dark. I'll just say that it was pretty yeah. dark. Uh, but it, her outfit was basically just like a 50s dress, you know, and uh, and I had like a cardigan and I had a I had a guitar at the time, an electric guitar. So I walked around with a Fender, but I put like branches in the Fender. It was it was it was. It's one of those things that seems okay at the time, but when you get older, you're like,
0: I, it's I you know, I like screw idea. it, it's funny halloween it's like you know princess diana (laughs) with a steering wheel around her neck that's funny i'm sorry you know yeah cancel me i i you know the whole thing is that we're inappropriate it's a laugh we're not going hooray diana's dead we're not going hooray body holly's dead but you know for god's sake just just lighten up i mean it's it's yeah yeah, it's in bad taste that's the whole point but uh (laughs) (laughs) exactly it's not serious uh But Um, I would never tell you what I dressed up as.
1: (laughs) (laughs) News of the week. (laughs) Another thing I wanted to talk about, uh, and I know you wanted to talk about this too, big news. uh, Just uh, uh, whenever you think you're having like a bad week or a bad month, uh, Robert Durst was convicted for killing Susan Berman. He got covid and was also now been charged with his wife's his former wife's murder from 1982 all in the span of like a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. So your life yeah. could always go worse.
0: Right. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah I mean, <laughs> Durst was um he was the subject of uh the show, the famous documentary uh The Jinx. Um, the jinx and yep. very famously basically confessed <laughs> while on yeah. camera and uh all, yeah and they, they could they could use that couldn't they they could use that he was That's using right. he was at a urinal and just talking to himself
1: yeah but and he still, he was a still mic mic'd. on a yeah,
0: yeah and he was and he and he gave permission to be recorded so it was fair fair game wasn't it for them to yeah, use and they, that the
1: filmmakers always uh, was a drecky i think is the filmmaker's name he i think they've claimed that they didn't they didn't find that footage until much, much later into the editing process. I don't know if I totally believe that, but whatever. I'll take their word for it. It makes sense. I, I mean,
0: because it is a throwaway. Uh, if you're going to go, you know, you're going to the bathroom, you would just throw that away. Uh, it's very
1: unusual when you cut camera though for sound to keep rolling. Hmm. And they did plan. They did show them planning that interview out in detail. They made it part of the film, like they're planning, because it was the second Mm -hmm. time they were interviewing him. So they were trying to figure out, you know, what questions to ask and whatever. I'm just, I don't know. I always wonder. I don't. I have no inside information on this, but I, I always wonder if it was.
0: So Completely. you think it was it was accidental. contrived? It's it's possible it could be contrived that they well did they it for always knew they all well they all
1: they knew he had been caught mumbling on a hot mic in the first interview, and I think his lawyer or somebody a rep or somebody was there with him and went over and had to tell him to shut up because um, they're like you know they were between. They kind of were taking a break, but he was still sitting in his chair. And this was the first interview where he didn't confess, but he was kind of Mm -hmm. mumbling things. And and a woman went over and warned him, hey, they can hear what you're saying. You need to be careful what you're saying. So as a filmmaker, I mean, just as hypothetical as a filmmaker, I would be thinking, okay, we already caught him on a hot mic once. We know he tends to do that. So I will tell my sound guy, hey, when we cut, you keep rolling until I come Mm -hmm. to you and specifically tell you to cut because he might say some stuff. So let's mm-hmm. let's get it, and then they got it. But then I I, I guess there is somebody I know that knows the filmmakers, and they and they are adamant that it was totally it was a total accident, and that I guess originally they were going to end the series with the letter with the, with Beverly Hills, but misspelled. Um, that was going to be their big reveal moment at the end, and then somewhere toward the end of the editing, they caught that extra audio, found it, and and realized yeah. they had like something even better than the the envelopes. Yeah. So. I don't
0: know. Yeah. Yeah. Durst, I mean, Durst, uh, well, he's been convicted. So you could say he murdered uh, Susan Berman, who was a basically a mob daughter and uh, lived yep. in Benedict Canyon on Benedict Canyon Boulevard and was shot in the back of the head. And Durst uh, was convicted, found guilty of her murder. But there was, and that was a like 2000 a, a,
1: that that happened. Right.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. And then there was an anonymous letter sent to the Beverly Hills Police Department, and you know the the word Beverly Hills, Beverly, I think, was misspelled, and he had it done was spelled that. EY. It was, it was totally tra- traced back to him. So yeah, he was yeah. found guilty, and then his that that whole what a bizarre story.
1: It was a letter where he he wrote to let them know that there was he re- used the word cadaver, so they called it the cadaver letter, but it was the, to let them know that there was a dead body in Susan mm-hmm. Berman's house. So I guess. He was her friend uh, uh, you know, and he murdered her, so maybe he felt somewhat bad about it and wanted to make sure that they found her body, I guess. Yeah. So he sent them I mean that would and... be
0: pretty ugly. Well you know it's like four doors down from where George Reeves died of a gunshot wound to the head. You know, it's like <laughs> crazy. that whole crazy neighborhood, yeah. Yeah. Well we gone yep. we said we talked about that before, but uh
1: the Benedict uh, Canyon there curse has be,
0: There has to be a, a Manson connection, doesn't there? We always have one.
1: Always. Always. Um, so yeah, so, uh, Durst is, um, so it's, it's wild. I, I did not, I was uh, surprised that they are now charging him officially with the, the of or, or I think they've charged or considering charging. I think they did charge, uh, him with the murder of his first wife that has never been found. They've always assumed that she was murdered. She disappeared under mysterious circumstances, which was, you know, also covered in the jinx. Um, so, but they, you know, it would be nice if he would at least, you know assuming that he was that he was responsible it would be nice if he would at least tell them where he put her
2: but mm-hmm.
1: I don't know if they'll ever i don't. I don't know if her family will ever get that closure you know
0: yeah right it's uh yeah what a mess and he's just this crumpled little old man now and uh he's gonna die in prison it's uh yep. you know it's that it's it's just so people are demented anyway um,
1: uh what else man
0: well, there was a I mean, we should touch on um the Alec Baldwin thing. That was that was crazy. Um yeah. the it's I mean it's so sad and so bad that um that there was a live weapon on the set of that movie that Alec and all Alec Baldwin, you know, really just kill the guy i mean it's just it's just the fact the that girl, he killed yeah. the guy uh the killed woman i'm kill. sorry yeah, and yeah it's such a to have that on your conscience and just you know to have that is this gun okay yes it's okay okay here you are you know and yeah i mean and there, here's an actor who's handled
1: tons of firearms throughout his career and has had you know all you trust the people that handed the armor on set and the assistant director have checked it and if, for whatever reason, the gun hadn't been checked. And the craziest thing is, they're saying it was a real live bullet. Because sometimes yeah. when they say live round, that can also mean a blank. But they, I guess, they've since specified it was an actual bullet that came out of the gun. And yeah. what in the world a live bullet was doing yeah. on a movie set is you know there's it's questions on top of questions with this one, and it, it um it makes me really upset to even think about it. But yeah, you know, there's tragedy.
0: one other thing too that's that's something that's that that is. And i you know it 's a terrible situation, and this is not in any way being accusatory of anything, but anyone that 's handled or learned to handle a firearm, you never pointed at anybody. I know that that's part of the that 's part of the movie, so that's they what you to supposed they to do have to do it but yeah. yeah, it just seems like I would be very uncomfortable. You know, doing that, but I, that, yeah, just actually it doesn't even matter what I just said because it. was The whole point was he's supposed to shoot somebody with it, and, and he's it supposed just, to aim uh, the
1: gun at the camera. So there's going to yeah. be a person standing there. So he he thinks he's holding an empty gun, and he's showing this is what I'm going to do,
0: oh, and man, it goes. Have off. that on your conscience. It's so it's so sad. Yeah. You would think you know that's happened before with John Eric Hexham and, and Brandon Lee, and yeah. um, you know, granted, you know, Hexum was a was a stupid mistake on his part, but uh, but yeah. There, just you know, they're making this big deal about there should never be a live ammunition on a movie set. Well, there just shouldn't. You know, right. <laughs> they're just done. Right, right, you know, right, right. there no, there should not. And I don't see why they don't make fake guns. Why they put real right. firearms on the set? You know, fake guns are, are, are pretty convincing, and that's what prop people do. So I mean, um, I it's...
1: I used uh, uh, I had a gun on the uh, the set of my uh, the recreations I shot for Murder Rap. We used an airsoft gun, so it's a, a gun that does not even shoot cannot shoot real bullets to begin with it's just gas powered it's made to shoot plastic pellets so even if it was loaded which are made to be shot at people i mean it's not supposed it's not it can't hurt you kind of thing it just needs Uh, to demonstrate
0: some kind of kickback i guess but it
1: shows that but the gas power makes the slide pop back on a semi-automatic so it looks realistic when you're pulling the trigger and you get a little recoil off of that um yeah i don't understand why i don't understand why they don't have kind of we to your point why they don't have guns that go through all the mechanics of shooting a gun, but don't have a barrel (laughs) and a hammer that actually ignites around and can fire something down a barrel. I don't understand why you need that part of it. You can have a a slide that kicks back when you pull the trigger and something come out the barrel, you know, the end of the gun, just like pop, like a, you know, a cap or whatever come out. Uh, There's no reason to have a, I don't understand a working chamber, Barrel hammer. I don't understand why you need all that. Yeah. So uh, uh, Hutchins was the cinematographer's name who passed away. So rest in peace to to her.
0: Yeah, uh, and 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 God bless her family, man. That's and Alec Baldwin's yeah. family. That's just awful. Anyway, everybody, yeah. everybody who was there gunner. that
1: day. Is is going to be traumatized from it. So,
0: mm-hmm.
1: well, moving on. Uh, what else, do you have? Any other news, or do you want to move on to hate mail?
0: <clears throat> let's let's move on to hate mail
1: hate mail all right you said you said you had some good ones
0: it's mostly trolling for trolls i get pod i get feedback on my youtube videos and i save the comments troy troy's been saving them and i ask him not to tell me <laughs> what they say and just to send them to me for this because you'll so mm-hmm. so you'll you, you what you'll do is you'll hear um the uh these coming out for the first time these these comments have been sent to me troy have saved them and i'm going to read them to you and for the uh, first time
1: you have not seen these yet
0: yeah okay maybe maybe there's not as many as i hoped so somebody (laughs) i did a um oh i did a, a, a true crime artifact i was showing some of the things in my collection and uh and somebody wrote Alex Alex C wrote, Why do you collect such shit? <laughs> Why not collect an entire painting that the subject actually looked at and appreciated the same way you can today, or a car that he or she drove. What the f is this broken handles and pieces of pottery? <laughs> Sorry, but collecting a scrap of a building material is just sad. It's like, okay, well, that's that's not that good.
1: Go 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 find your own <laughs> hobby, Alex.
0: Yeah. Uh, the David White, I did a David White video about him uh, and his son being in the Pan Am Lockerbie bombing. David White played Larry Tate. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody called Crazy Train, who has a Manson icon, okay, <laughs> as uh, with the, with the swastika on his forehead. And uh, it says, "Dearly departed tours is an old dinosaur." It's like it's kind of like watching a one and a half year old toddler squeal with excitement because they picked up a piece of garbage. Of the street and think it is a treasure. Boring and redundant. I don't think it's redundant at all. Maybe boring, so, but I don't think. Uh, it's look, redundant. I think we
1: need to. I think. I think they need to pick a metaphor and stick with it. You're both a dinosaur and a toddler. <laughs> How's <is> that
0: possible? <laughs> That's actually, yeah, a very good point. Come on, These, I'm just uh, saying
1: for the for the next for the next one you for the next uh, uh, comment that guy makes. You know, just a little writing tip. Uh, you know, don't mix your metaphors up.
0: Well, Troy will you know it's, he's he's kind about it because sometimes they're upsetting because they really I'm mean, upsetting is not the right word for it but they're annoying because they go after they don't even be creative you know they're just saying you're big and ugly and stupid it's like <laughs> a, you know ha 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 very funny and so you know that gets exhausting because you know I don't I don't want really to to tell me what I look like but um, but uh, anyway so let's see what this one Jackson keep okay. <clears throat> I don't even know what this means. And I don't even remember what video it's from. Jackson. Oh, Michael Jackson. This is Michael Jackson. Okay. I did a thing I knew sure. where he's buried. Jackson, keep me, keep her genes, Jesus, if she needs a meter. Jesus did not, Jewish, have had, he has held ID, is just jealous. I Different January I'd keep is.
1: Sounds like somebody had their voice to text on and didn't know it.
0: <laughs> the uh, the uh, Let's see if I can find another one. I plan on preserving the toilet the museum owners will overdose on and sending pictures of it to their families, you know, for history. It's funny. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't you
1: commented on that in the past, though, like you want to be on a death tour or something like that someday or you wouldn't mind it or something like that?
0: Have I? Am I I, said yeah, th- I, mean, I, rep- I replied to them.
1: No, no, um, no. I'm just having, haven't you ever talked about that before? Cause people have criticized you said, I hope somebody drives, you know, by your house after you die or something like that. Oh does a yeah. Tour of your house. Or yeah. Whatever, right.
0: Yeah, I mean that's, that's that's that goes back to that thing that you know the, the the people dying two times. The first time you die is when you physically die and you draw, draw your last breath, and the second time is when someone says your name for the last time out loud. Right. So it's like, well, shit, drive by my house. At least you'll be saying my name. You know. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, exactly. I'm fine with that. <laughs> I don't want <laughs> to know, be. you anyway. offended
1: by it anymore, anyways. So who cares?
0: That's true. That's true. <laughs> uh, I okay. So that was that one. Um, somebody was angry. About the Cabazon dinosaurs, that doesn't really matter. Uh, let's see. <clears throat> let's see. Wait, somebody uh, was mad about oh. the dinosaurs. Yeah, the Cabazon dinosaurs that I I posted a video because they painted them to look like the Flintstones. Yeah, and uh, so so Dino is purple, the dinosaurs is purple, and the T Rex is looking like Fred. And I said, isn't that kind of cool? And they said, I don't think it's cool at all. Just like I don't think it's cool what they did to Hadley's or that other casino Hmm. is there of fast food chains have littered the area. What was once an oasis of uniqueness is now just another monument to greed. You can have it. And it's like, or.
1: I, I have to agree with them, though. I do hate what they did with Hadley's. Out there. I don't even know what Hadley's
0: is, Mike. That does that's ha- nothing to me. I don't. What does it's, that mean?
1: Yeah, so Hadley's for for decades and decades was famous for their date shakes, and it was this mm-hmm. cool looking, almost like roadhouse looking, built freestanding restaurant building that they were in, and now Hadley's is in like a strip mall, and is all like clean and modern and it's still okay. good. I mean, you still get the date. Sh- I still recommend Hadley's date shakes, but it's not like it, the the charm of it is all gone. Um, i see what, what they used to have yeah hadley's where our that was big with our family we used to stop in at hadley's a lot
0: i mean yeah. the, the dinosaurs are still cool i mean that's that's, so. that's, that's just like americana you know that's, that's just something right. silly on the side of the road <laughs> and uh whatever i mean they were they were all faded out and falling apart a couple of years ago so um you know they embrace it and they're kitschy and they're fun anyway and i don't by see repainting the, I don't they see
1: keep the... generating new interest in them so they don't get kind of well you know so they don't yeah. turn into dinosaurs. And they've got
0: new. St- <laughs> they don't. They don't. They have new things in their gift shop. So it's it's like a cooler vibe to it than it used to be. They they embrace the kitsch, and I think yeah. it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. This one is oh, I did a thing about Pr- Princess Grace's hearse, and uh, I went to the National Museum of Funeral History in in Houston, and I opened up the hearse and I sat in, it. <laughs> you know, the the hearse that carried Princess Grace's body. Mm. So I was rude. It was in, it was rude and indignant in letter n disgusting of you to open up the hearst in sitting in it disrespectful to princess grace i was liking the video up to that point i will not subscribe sad face so yeah i said i wrote my comment was oh no please don't go please i beg you (laughs) Uh (laughs) by the way
1: speaking of uh, princess grace i recently well i guess recently a few months ago i found uh Like a a little short documentary that was shot back at the time when she got married. It was all about the wedding preparations and the wedding day, you know, all the stuff in Monaco. Uh, It was interesting. It was very, you know, positive rah-rah kind of a documentary about the day. But it was really entertaining and and informative. And it was cool to see all the footage, all the old like 16 millimeter footage it looked like that they shot of, of all that stuff.
0: They, um, yeah, it's interesting. Cause you know who, who was, uh, an integral part of doing that. I think we may have talked about that, but, uh, the documentary, the Royal family that Prince Philip, uh, sort of when the, when mm. he, you know, Queen Elizabeth, he was, he, he was sort of, it's, they featured in the, in the crown quite heavily, yeah. but he was, he was, you know, spearheaded this drive to sort of open the doors on the Royal family and show them as normal people or humans, not, not right. normal. Cause they'll never Humanize be normal. Them, yeah. But, yeah, and it is very interesting. So they're kind of just going on to that uh uh that sort of theme is showing them as humans. And plus she was, you know, she was a princess, she was a movie star and, you know, right. the the that's yeah, fascinating, interesting story and tragic death. Um yeah. yeah.
1: And I mean, Re- Rear Window is my favorite movie and I she was uh, just like iconic level gorgeous in that film.
0: So. <gasps> oh. So okay, so I I did this other video really recently. The last one I did was this lady who has a wax museum in her house. Mm-hmm. She has literally the movie land wax museum. She has like the entire Wizard of Oz in her bed in her uh, in her living room, like what? with the Yellow Brick Road and the trees.
1: She wow. has the
0: Phantom of the Opera with the organ, like a real organ. This is in her living room. She has a WC Fields. She has the, the, there's the shaggy DA and the um, absent minded professor, Fred McMurray, in a car that flew. She (laughs) has the car hanging in her living room. I mean, it's a life size wow. car with Fred McMurray's wax statue, and the <laughs> wheel spin, and it's the whole deal. I mean, this one, but also the, the most recent thing she has is Jimmy Stewart from the movie Land Wax Museum. So she oh, right has on. Jimmy Stewart there with him in his cast, and she has the entire background that was there. I mean, like the, the furniture and everything that was on the shelves behind him, and uh, and the pictures of Jimmy Stewart there with you know with when he unveiled it, and uh, it's uh, you know I love wax museums anyway. It's like a fetish of Mine and uh and this would but i saw her on youtube she's got a channel called the weird and the wonderful her name is cynthia lazarus and she said yeah come on and visit and i walked in and i was like she's got linda blair with her head spinning at the at the at her at her staircase you know she has a she has the entire she has like the giant chariot from ben hur in her family room you know upstairs she has like the marx brothers i mean like the the entire marx brothers it's insane and she has like a elvira's wedding dress like a Sandra peterson and oh just i mean like it's unbelievable i wish she could sit it's like it's un- yeah. it's unbelievable yeah wow. she's she is she's she's hilarious she's funny she's sweet and she collects yeah. wax museums literally a wax museum so wow <laughs> yeah
1: so check out that youtube channel what was it again
0: yeah, weird and wonderful. Yeah. Weird She's and great. Well you could if you go to my Dearly Departed Tours, um, you'll find that's my last video and you can go it's linked okay. to her and you'll see it. It's just, she's so sweet. Cool. She's she's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh.
1: <laughs> is that all the hate mail? Oh,
0: I think oh yeah, that's all my hate mail. That's all my oh, hate mail.
1: Ah, okay. <laughs> um all right. Well, do we want to uh, get into the main feature? <clears throat> I think we should. It's time. For the main feature, all right, it is uh, Universal Monsters is our theme of this episode. Uh, the great monster movies of the 1930s uh, from Universal Studios: uh, Frankenstein, um, Bride of Frankenstein, The Dracula, uh, Wolfman, Man, um, the the other Frankenstein sequels that came out that decade, um, and uh, were just a huge, huge, huge success. Uh, for Universal in
0: the 30s, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, well, Phantom of the Opera. I mean, they're they're so uh, yeah. It just goes. On. It's it's. I love the Universal monsters. I mean, you know, it made them and it uh it really put them on the map i think the uh the monsters did and uh as i said in our patreon episode that we recorded a little bit earlier for the people that uh, subscribe to the channel uh they you know the universal kind of just blew off the monsters you know they didn't uh really acknowledge it when you went to universal studios you never saw it was all you know it was all whatever was recent, you know, they uh, though now it's all Harry Potter junk. But now you'll see <laughs> Battle of the Ghost there and you'll see, you know, things like that. Yeah. Whereas before it, they, they really wasn't anything that they ever really thought to embrace. So, um,
1: well, uh, a, year, a few years ago, maybe 10 years ago, I don't know how long it was. You, they tried to reboot the whole their classical monster franchises. And they did a, a Tom Cruise movie um, with uh, The Mummy. And it was not good. <laughs> it was not Tom good. Cruise. And it and yeah, can you believe you, you, you that's how great it did? You don't even remember it that it happened. Yeah. Um, it was called, oh. I think it was just the mummy. It wasn't like the Brendan Fraser ones, it was yeah. like, yeah, no, I remember now.
0: I, yeah, I forgot about that. I did see that. And, um, uh, it was uh yeah.
1: 2017, and it, Russell Crowe was in it um and it was it was i I don't like the dog other people's movies because i make movies too and so i try not to be critical publicly but it was not good it was not good Mm -hmm. uh it was just kind of a mess and it didn't do well and that was kind of the end of it i don't think they're gonna i mean if they do try to get that going again it won't be the whatever direction they were going i think at that time so yeah it was not great it was weird it was like it was like overly serious Eh, and i don't know I don't know. It wasn't fun like the like the Brendan Fraser mummy movies that were kind of like, you know, Indiana Jones type things. Yeah. It was, it was set in modern times and yeah, it was weird.
0: Yeah. So yeah, something that Tom yeah. Cruise that did didn't touch that didn't turn to gold. And, um, yeah, you know, which
1: normally, yeah. whatever say what you will about him, he usually picks really good projects and there's always the screenplays are always good. Um he's, he's got a good track record. It doesn't usually make bad stuff so yeah uh yeah it was a rare misfire so uh what do you want to start with
0: well let's go into uh let's go into frankenstein i know it's not the first but uh but uh, frankenstein is the first on my list
1: <laughs> so uh so, that's uh director james whale
0: again yeah and produced by uh carl Emily. but uh yeah james whale who uh we really we haven't talked about him before Have we were talked about todd Browning, but not james whale have we I don't. Um, I,
1: we may have mentioned him in passing before, but no, I don't know that we've ever dove, dove, dove in.
0: Okay, well, him. I mean, James Whale was a. I mean, he directed. Uh, he directed Frankenstein. He directed Bride of Frankenstein. He directed. He did like horror movies. Uh, Invisible the Man. Invisible Man. Yeah. Yep. And uh, another uh, one and called they, The
1: Old Dark House.
0: He was. Uh, yeah, he was something else, and he. They're, that film that they made about him was really interesting if you ever got a chance to see it's being a brendan fraser it was called gods and monsters
1: really and, good uh, film yeah With i that, really like Ma- that a lot. Ian, McK- ian mckellen is play plays uh whale and uh fraser plays a fictionalized gardener character working at whale's house and when you know yeah. whale is you know his career is basically over he's an old man um uh, and whale was a very rare bird for his time. He was openly gay and, mm-hmm. and had a live-in uh, companion, uh, David Lewis, who lived, lived with – they lived together for over 20 years. And, and it was open. Everybody knew about it, which back then was almost unheard of um and david lewis his his partner uh was irving thalberg's assistant irving thalberg one of my favorite people in hollywood history who was the head of uh, production for the for mgm and one of the early hmm. I mean, Irving Thalberg mm-hmm. was a major, major, major early force in the film industry. Uh, and the Producers Guild every year still gives gives out an Irving Thalberg Award uh, that is dedicated in his honor. But David Lewis, who was uh, James Whale's uh, partner, uh, was Irving Thalberg's assistant. I mean, drove him around, would hang out with him at his house. And then James Whale was, you know, a director. So, mm-hmm. and then later on, um, after Thalberg died, um, a lot of people that had been kind of protected by Thalberg were – they kind of had to find somewhere else to go, and David Lewis was one of those guys, I think. Uh, but David Lewis went on to be a producer in his own right and produced films, I think, into the 60s, so hmm. – or at least the wow. 50s.
0: So, yeah. so James Whale died on, uh, in 57, May 29, 1957, by drowning in his swimming pool, and, uh, right. and it was a suicide it was. No. You know, they said it was accidental, but uh, shortly before his boyfriend died, said he stumbled on a note and said that basically, you know, it was. he didn't stumble; on he had it the whole time. He just didn't release what the note said. But yeah, it was I think Whale had note.
1: asked not to be released until he was dead, or something like that. Yeah, it was. It was kept secret for a long time.
0: Yeah. So it was funny because I was. Uh, I was watching the Academy Awards. it had to be about twenty years ago now. And uh, and Goldie Hawn was giving out a reward, or an award, or receiving one. I think she was. I think she was presenting an award. And the subject of Frankenstein came up, and James Whale came up, and she goes, "Oh, I live in his house. He drowned in my swimming pool." <laughs> and so um, and it was yeah, it was Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell ended up buying James Whale's house that he yeah. drowned in. It's just kind of a. It was just kind of a. It wasn't thing something. Actually, she didn't say he drowned in her pool, but I just. But she did say mm-hmm. I live in the house where he lived, and I just. I just knew it. But it was. Kind of, it's yeah, kind of funny. Yeah, I think that the house
1: is still around too. I believe too. Yeah, yeah. it's nice.
0: It's in the Palisades. House. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, it was. Uh, it was a cool little house, and uh, yeah, it's uh, just. I don't think they still live in it, but they they did.
1: Basically, what's wild with Whale is he's a good example of. I, it seemed to be especially true in the early days of Hollywood. He he was red hot for like five or six years with mm-hmm. Universal, and then and then the bottom just falls out. You know he has like kind of one not good film, and there, you know there's the old saying in Hollywood: you're only as good as the last thing you did. And it's crazy how fast you can kind of fall off that wagon and not be hot anymore. And his career was basically over by you know uh, yeah. you know by the by the forties. So yeah, it's really wild. And then he, I guess, it had a series of of serious health issues, and that's what his suicide note referenced, um, which is that Mm -hmm. he was in almost constant agony, basically, because all his health issues. So. And only
0: sixty-seven years old. That's sad. It's um. Yeah. Yeah. It was a fascinating uh, movie that was, and it was really uh, well done. Really well done. Yeah. 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 I'd love to, they, uh, like, Elsa Lanchester's character was in there, Charles Lawton character, and it was just, hmm. I was, you know, that whole 30s movie, horror movie, people just being normal people. It was, so like, cool. I liked it. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> um, but, yeah, so James, he passed away on uh, May 29th, 1957. By then, uh, he and Lewis had separated, and um, he, had, he'd, he dated several other um, young men, which is kind of what, Brendan Fraser, I think is kind of an amalgamation of the the kind of 20-something, you know, young guys that were around Whale toward the end.
0: I didn't realize Uh, they broke up. I didn't know that.
1: Yeah. Because Whale, I guess, went after his career kind of cratered. He went to France for a while and came back to the U.S. with the French waiter, I think, (laughs) that he met (laughs) over there. (laughs) And Louis Louis obviously was not okay with that. And so that was Mm – Louis moved out and that was kind of the end of it. But I think he and Louis stayed close. I remained close friends uh, for years afterwards, but yeah, we're weren't together anymore. I also thought this was very interesting. Uh, Whale, uh, one of his early gigs, he worked on Hell's Angels, the, the, um, um, Howard, the Hughes. Howard Hughes film. He yeah. was Gene, Gene Harlow's dialogue coach.
0: Oh, Interesting.
1: And it's kind of an uncredited director because Hell's Angels famously was, they started making it when they were still doing silent films. And then all of a sudden talkies became the rage and they were still working on the movie. And they were like, we got to make this thing into a sound movie. And so they needed a guy. They, they suddenly they needed directors who had stage directing experience, which is where James weld had come from. He had directed plays in London and on Broadway. So he came in as a quote dialogue coach to basically direct all the new scenes that they were doing that had dialogue in them. And so that's, hmm. that was, they needed people that had experience t- directing actors who were actually speaking, I guess, which most film directors at the time didn't never had to deal with. Yeah. So it was yeah. all pantomime, huh. you know?
0: Was he from, was he from uh, England originally?
1: He, I believe he was British. Yeah.
0: Cause I wonder what kind of dialogue he, had, he taught. He had you know? good British, the, the, the good British diction. Actor, yeah. That uh, that uh, actorland accent. Yep. In fact, I
1: think it was. I think it was him. I think he had. Um, he had fought in World War One and had been captured and was a. Uh, was it him? I think it had been captured and had been a, a POW for a number of years, or for whatever however time during World War One.
0: Broke out. World War One broke out in August 1914. Had little interest in politics, realizing Stationed in Bristol, subsequently commissioned second lieutenant in Worcestershire, taken prisoner of war in battle at the Western Front in Flanders in 1917 and was held at the officer's camp. And he stayed there until the end of the war, like a little over a year. And it was while he was a
1: POW that he became interested in drama because they, you know, the POWs to pass the time would do, you know, stage productions and stuff. And I think that's where he discovered that he liked to do that and mm-hmm. that started his career
0: and i think carl lamely wanted whale right away didn't need to do the to do the directing for uh for for the horror movies i'm pretty sure that lamely is the one uh 9031 universal chief carl lamely offered whale his choice of any property so and whale chose frankenstein so um interesting but right. uh but great. And it was 1931 it was made. Those movies, I was watching, We, I think you watched them too. I watched Dracula, I watched Frankenstein, I watched Phantom of the Opera. It was like hour 10 minutes, hour long, you know. it was like, uh, Yeah, they're, and they're, the they're day, nice and it, it, short.
1: They're like 70 yeah. minutes, 75 minutes. I love it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I went to see that James Bond movie. It was like almost, it was two hours 40 minutes at that new James Bond movie. It was like, oh my God. I'm not going to say I was bored, but it was like, oh my God, you could say a lot in a lot less time, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right. And yeah. they
1: did back, well, you know, film was expensive, so you want to keep it short back then when you could. Right. Um, although yeah. the silent era, there was some crazy like four hour long Plus long epics.
0: That's that true. Oh, too, into, so. it? Wasn't uh, that that original one that was done by um, Eric it was Intolerance
1: Sternheim. and g- greed and intolerance. Greed. And all that's what it was. Yeah. It was like ten
0: hours or something. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Which
1: you want to talk about things going slow? A movie that's that long with no dialogue.
0: <laughs> yeah, and also it's funny because uh, Nosferatu is uh, you know go you know riffing on the Dracula thing a little bit. Um, I found that really hard to sit through. I, well, we've talked about that. I, silent movies are a little bit rough for me, but if you watch Nosferatu on fast forward, it's perfect. You know, you could read all the cards and uh, and you're not know, missing any of the action, and it was it's great. So just watch it on fast forward half the time. You get the movie,
1: and um, it works. Yeah,
0: <laughs> Nosferatu was a good movie too, but uh, better <laughs> when it's fast forwarded in my mind.
1: Also what was really interesting about these if you're a film nerd what was really interesting about the universal horror films was the influence of German expressionism on mm-hmm. the look the severe you know uh the, the 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 strong shadows the severe um uh contrast between dark and light images yeah. on the screen you know just severe yeah. lighting uh really expressionistic and interesting I mean if you want like a more modern example you know early Tim Burton stuff like Tim Burton's Batman uh, movies are a good example of that. Just really wild shapes, and yeah, contrasty and moody,
0: and well, I mean, really well done because you know that a lot of it was matte. You know, the background mm-hmm. were matte, but but considering the time period they did it in, I mean, it was something I noticed like. Wow, these sets—you know—everything is really good. Uh, granted, you know, black and white is an art form because of the lighting, et cetera. And you have to say mm-hmm. so much more with less information, uh, 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 as far as color goes, because you know yeah. it doesn't translate as well. And um, I was really—you do have an appreciation for the artistry. Uh, for something like that because it is they were stunning movies
1: practical in-camera effects as they say yeah you know one thing that i speaking of that one thing that jumped out to me was uh, i watched the bride of frankenstein this week and there's a scene where there's like little miniature people in glass jars
0: oh yeah 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 yeah.
1: i was like i don't totally know how they did that back then because that was like 1936 or 35 i'm not I know how they did it but I don't know how they did it. Like today you could do it in a day it would be easy you just green screen it. Um but I mm-hmm. it was very it was so well done. It was really well done. So I don't I know how the... it didn't look it it looked very real for its time yeah. the, the way they did that. It was very I just kept watching it like was very impressed um by it. was mesmerizing, yeah. 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 I also <laughs> loved the Bride of Frankenstein. Uh I think I liked it more than the original film. Cuz it, was, it like was like fun. Like a,
0: yeah it was campy. It was campy yeah. um yeah I was surprised at how campy it was actually you know uh they were it was a lot more lighthearted, and mm-hmm. uh yeah less sinister i mean the guy the Frankenstein had full dialogue I mean you know when he was right. just you know within the span of like a day, he learned you know how to have conversations. Right. And uh, I learned how to smoke and all this kind of silly stuff. So
1: it's it's funny people talk about camp, and obviously that's part of it. But I also wonder if it wasn't the fact that screwball comedies took off in the early 30s. You mm-hmm. know, after after the you know the first Frankenstein came out, And I wonder if that didn't play some part in it because it was kind of like over the top comedy a little bit.
0: Yeah. 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 yeah, you're right. It was it was broad. So <laughs> yeah, and uh, and it's funny. I thought when I thought about it. Like Young Frankenstein, the film, the Mel Brooks film, is much more Bride of Frankenstein <laughs> than than right. Frankenstein than the original film, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was, uh, and you know, another one was um, uh, the Rocky Horror Picture Show. You know, that's a, that's the Frankenstein story basically, and uh, and and it's more Bride than it is Frankenstein. Frankenstein was a serious movie; it was a horrifying right. movie, and Bride, you know, it was a bit, it was a bit more it was like probably the first sequel they ever did you know and uh
1: yeah it's almost like what they did with gremlins too. (laughs) they just went for it on the second movie you know what i mean like let's just have fun and do Mm -hmm. any crazy do crazy stuff with it yeah
0: so um okay so it's based on the novel by uh by mary shelley and -hmm. mary shelley it was was interesting in the credits they billed her as mrs percy shelley not mary shelley so it was was, she went by her her husband's name she was married to percy the, the philosopher and the poet um and he um he died uh of a he was he was like drowned in a in a uh in a ship accident is like his body washed up like 10 days later and uh and like rome or something and uh and they ended up cremating him there but his heart didn't burn so they left his body in in italy i believe is where he washed up and gave his heart to mary shelley they said it was calcified or something like that so mary shelley's buried in bournemouth in england with her husband's heart just as hard because wow. they can It's It's interesting because she was so, you know, she, you know, Frankenstein right. came out of this woman's brain. So, right, um, right, right. you know, she's clearly thinking pretty in a pretty bizarre, you know, manner. So. Wow. Um, so and she died in, in 1851 of a brain tumor. But uh, it's just it's interesting. And they didn't even give her her name when she, you know, when in the movie is Mrs. You know, Percy B. Shelley, not Mary Shelley. So it was just fascinating yeah. for for that time period
1: we're talking about Frankenstein you want to talk about Boris Karloff
0: yeah, yeah 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 not a single line of dialogue just a lot of grunts and a lot of couldn't even tell you know couldn't even know it was a, who it was didn't even get a credit, did he? <laughs> right.
1: Yeah, it said it's just in the opening credits it just says the monster and with a question mark next to it. Whereas of course all the other actors were credited next to their names, their character names. Um and then mm-hmm. I also thought it was interesting that in the bride of Frankenstein, uh, four years later, um, they credited the monster as just Karloff, his last name only. And then for the for the monster's mate, uh, they did the same thing with the question mark. Uh they didn't give Elsa um lanchester a a credit in that that oh but she
0: did get one because she played mary shelley at the beginning i totally Um, didn't pick up on that either yeah yeah, she was it was her and percy her husband and someone else sitting around in a parlor and she was doing needlepoint or something and talking Mm -hmm. about you know come on you know mary you've got some story or you know and then she goes into the bride that uh, goes into and the they movie, did this which,
1: weird. Um, they did a weird like recap, kind of like what we today would be like, you know, on the last episode, <laughs> just to catch yeah, audiences yeah, up yeah. on what happened oh, totally. in the first movie, just in case you didn't see yeah. the first movie, you'd know what was going on, kind of deal. Yeah, yeah, it was really funny.
0: Yeah, I think it was was it five years from the original one that they did. Uh, I believe it was uh, Frankenstein. Um, Bride of Frankenstein was done in thirty five. 31 four was the original. So it was about a four. And they still had, I think they still had the original props laying around. So they were still able to use the <laughs> sets from, uh, from that.
1: And, and speaking of Karloff, his uh, apparently each one of his shoes for Frankenstein's monsters, I think they had like four inch soles on them. Each one, I think weighed like 11 pounds and it took <laughs> him hours and hours and hours to get into makeup. And I think he ended up later in his career being a real advocate uh, you know, we 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 talked earlier about you know on on the set and how crews are treated and stuff. I think he became an advocate later on, uh, for you know hours because he had to spend so many hours in makeup, uh, to get all that stuff put on him, and it was just like it was a lot to ask of a person. I think is what it came down to. So mm-hmm. he kind of became an act advocate for actors' rights and time, how much time they spend on sets, uh, and how you know you go through six seven hours of makeup before you even start acting. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting. He got, he became famous for not having a single line. Of course, you know, when Bride of Frankenstein <laughs> came about, he had complete, you know, dialogue. I mean, he, right. he knew how to, he learned within how to talk. a day, you know, he could talk about everything. Wife, smoke, <laughs> you know.
1: And what's really, uh, what I find ironic is that, uh, you know, we're going to talk about Bela Lugosi in a bit. You know, Bela Lugosi had the thick Hungarian accent, which actually kept him from getting a lot of roles other Mm -hmm. roles in his career because he was a lot of times he was difficult to understand his English and, and yet (laughs) he gets all the speaking parts with the Dracula character and Boris Karloff, who's British and has excellent diction gets a monster that doesn't talk.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That that was kind of odd. (laughs) It is funny. And I don't know how realistic that rivalry was between the two of them. You know, I think that Bella wanted more parts. I think they say Bella was, um, was offered or or refused it was refused um Frankenstein um I think that's what it was uh that Bela Lugosi claimed he 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 had uh had, was offered to it but uh but yeah the Lugosi but they say that Bela and, and Boris Karloff had a feud uh because they're both you know horror film stars but, yeah, um, Universal. I mean, Frankenstein is, yeah. and
1: Dracula came out the same year, <laughs> so mm-hmm. yeah, you can kind of see how it would have come from. And I guess they got along more or less, uh, okay, at least for a time. I don't know, but you know, no, Boris Karloff yeah. ended up having a far better career in the long run uh, than Lugosi did, I think.
0: More, so. yes, certainly, yeah. And and there was the way it was represented in in the movie Ed Wood was quite funny. The way that he referred to, you know, Carlop. That cocksucker. (laughs) (laughs) It was was pretty funny. I Mm love that. But uh, yeah, so Carlop, good on him. So he he and Bella were, you know, were sort of neck and neck. Uh, He was in The Walking Dead in 36. He was in The Invisible Ray in 36. He ended up, both of them ended up doing like spoofy Abbott and Costello movies, you know, Abbott and yep. Costello meet Frankenstein, right. which is a connection to the murder of Robert Lee's, you know, the guy, the little screenwriter that got murdered in Hollywood, uh, got his head cut off by this hustler. Um, he he was a screenwriter for uh, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein.
1: Yeah, And Legosi uh, uh, and, and uh, Karloff were both t- together in Son of Frankenstein, right?
0: I think so. Yeah. They were both in I that think together.
1: so.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, they they uh, finally so had the idea. Many put, of those. Let's put them
1: together. <laughs>
0: <laughs> There's so many of those those outrageous, you know, comedy, they after a while they just didn't care. You know, they're right, like put, right. put the wolfman in there, you know. <laughs> right. It was a a, a teenage wolfman. You yeah, uh-huh. know, do that um you know, Godzilla versus Frankenstein. Yeah, do that. <laughs> and um it just didn't uh, matter after a while. They just went and did their thing. And then he went on to have quite a success in his, uh, as a voice actor too. Yeah, was uh, the Grinch. Yeah, The Grinch is Stole Christmas, and uh, he ended up doing a lot of uh, silly movies too. He was in The Ghost in the Invisible M- M- Bikini. Where he had, his character name was like the ghoul or something like that, and it's interesting because we talked about it in the Patreon episode, Tommy Kirk, the Disney kid, uh, was in that movie as well. The one mm. that just died uh, not that long ago. But um, Grinch stole Christmas. Yeah, he was he was uh, he, he was the Grinch. It. Thurl Ravenscroft. Yeah, Thurl Ravenscroft sang the song. He was the guy that was Tony the Tiger, <laughs> which is, which is pretty. Oh, cool. really? They're great. Yeah, Thurl, <laughs> Thurl Ravenscroft, and I think he was Captain Crunch too. And, oh wow! Well. Um, I, I love that. But uh, yeah, and he was doing some kind of silly movies towards the end. You know, beach movies because a lot of them were. I remember that uh, Buster Keaton, he was doing them too. Beach right. movies, you know, just right. kind of trash, throwaway. I have got a week to kill movies. And um, but anyway, he ended up uh, Boris Karloff ended up passing away in '69, February of '69. He was 81, and.
1: He apparently was a heavy smoker, and he only had like half of a functioning lo- lung yet left at the end, mm. and so he got he died from pneumonia, basically. So okay. When you have half of a functioning lung, you don't want to get pneumonia, and that mm. was that no, was the end. no.
0: <laughs> yeah, he so he was cremated, and he's his ashes. Well, there are certainly there's a plaque for him at the Actors Church in London in Covent Garden, uh, and uh, I think that that's where his ashes are in a wall because there's a wall outside, but there's also a bench with his name on it. So, mm. uh, so but that's where his cremains are in the Actors Church in Covent Garden in London, wow. and uh, he was eighty eighty one years old. But it's interesting. We were talking about just a second ago. Uh, Richard O'Brien. I wrote a book about the Rocky Horror Picture Show several years ago. I interviewed, you know, most everyone that was involved with it, and Richard O'Brien, who wrote the the, the basically the story, uh, you know, made it, of course, his own, was sued for uh by a woman who claims that he stole her idea of i don't know a transvestite that comes from outer space and you know i guess but she sued him and he ended up not having to go to court because he's like well we both ripped off mary shelley you know you can't you know if you did, if you read the story we both owe my you know owe our careers to mary shelley so what are you even saying But, uh, but yeah, I thought that was, it was a clever way to put it because I never really thought of it that way. But there was some sort of, um, you know, provenance or, or, you know, how you can get away with a lot of stuff with, uh. Like we talked about about Elf, you know how they did the Rankin Bass stuff. It wasn't even just; it was just straight up. Here are your props. You are basically remaking the props, and <laughs> right. uh, and that's what they were doing. So that's interesting, interesting. But I guess Frankenstein is probably public domain now, anyway. The novel, yeah, that's imagine. and
1: that's and that's I think why a lot of those uh, why they they went back and dove, dove into those books from the eighteen hundreds because they were mm-hmm. they were yeah public domain, and you didn't have there was no one to pay for the the rights, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, Disney kind of did the same thing with some of their early movies, similar situation, like doing like old fairy tale stuff. Uh, well, since we're talking about Frankenstein, might as well mention Elsa Lanchester, right?
0: Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, So
1: she was the bride in, in Bride of Frankenstein. Um, I thought she was great in it. I also, I have to mention, she is in my favorite Christmas movie that I mention. seems like every other episode. She was the housekeeper in The Bishop's Wife with David Niven oh, yeah. and Loretta Young and Cary Grant. Yep. It's a sizable role. She, yeah, oh.
0: A fascinating lady. I know. I love her. Because she the the choices she made, you know, granted, maybe she didn't have a lot of choices, and mm. she you know she ended up taking a lot of horror movie uh, roles after after the Bride of Frankenstein that's clearly not but she was uh, she played housekeeper roles too you know it's another one of those british you know sturdy uh mm-hmm. women, you know, for lack of a better term. Well, it's the only term I could think of, that were often cast. She was a Mary Poppins, uh as mm-hmm. as a housekeeper. And uh <laughs> she got so typecast as a housekeeper. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's like the butler yeah. thing, you know. It's right. it's, it's just that uh, they're British and you know <laughs> stick 'em sure. in the kitchen. <laughs> but uh <laughs> but yeah, so and she and she was uh married to Charles Lawton, who famously played uh, uh the hunchback of Notre Dame or Notre Dame. Notre and Dame, uh, Notre Dame, uh and, yeah. and, and yeah, and so it was in I think 1927 that that was made.
1: Well, but, um, or was he in? He was even he the 1939 version, or is in the 39?
0: No, you're right. You're right. It's um, 39. He played Quasimodo. It was 27 was the first time it was done, uh-huh. uh, the silent version.
1: Apparently, but, yeah. uh, Elsa and Charles Lawton were in 12 films together.
0: That many, eh? Okay, this is wild, interesting.
1: And also, um, Lawton is also famous for. Uh, he basically helped launch the career of Maureen O'Hara. Mm. He, um, he, uh, I guess, because he, he, she was in a Hitchcock film, I think Jamaica Inn, and uh, Lawton was impressed by her. And basically when Lawton came over to, to um to do the hunchback, he kind of insisted that they cast Maureen O'Hara, who was like eighteen or nineteen, as Esmeralda, and that's that was it. The rest was history. Your stardom took off from mm. there.
0: That's that yeah, I like Charles Lawton's a fascinating character, he was. And mm-hmm. uh and my God, the uh the Knight of the Hunter, you know, that movie is probably the most visually insane movie <laughs> ever made. Yeah. Uh, it, it's the only movie I think he ever directed, I believe. It and is, yeah. He was, he was, and he was sort of laughed out, out of the theater. Was, when It, it was, was
1: kind of overlooked when it came out, now it's considered a total classic. Yeah. yeah,
0: it was a disaster I think as far as, long as as long as he lived, it was a disastrous movie. But oh right. my god, it's so scary as hell. It is a really good movie mm-hmm. and it looks amazing, you know. It looks like Tim Burton's probably borrowed a lot of that too because of the, yeah. uh, but it's all live action, but the imagery, those little kids running away from that sinister preacher and Oh, that's a good movie. That is a scary as hell movie. That thing with, did we talk about this before? Yeah, we did with with the Poseidon Adventure episode. We we're talking about Shelley Winters in the movie, how he, you know, she's killed and she's at the bottom of the lake in a yeah. car tied up. And then they show her at the bottom of the lake with the with the seaweed in her hair. Right. Oh man. That was and then you see a fish a fish hook go by her <laughs> Fishing head. Lure that, by. <laughs> no, it was insane. That was a great movie, but um, anyway, back, to, so that was Charles Lawton, but he, Elsa Lanchester, he had an acting school in Hollywood and they taught Marilyn Monroe. Marilyn Monroe took acting lessons. Oh, wow. Them.
1: I did not know this
0: that. This is kind of interesting. Yeah. They, they, their house was right off of, uh, where that, uh, that old abandoned house was off Sierra Bonita where the James Dean house is that, that just across that park, um, is where their house was. But anyway. Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah.
1: Well, uh, Elsa Lanchester passed away on January 5th, 1987. Uh, she was 84. And uh, Charles Lawton, her husband, had passed away two decades earlier. He died uh, December 15th, uh, 1962. He was only 63. He died from renal cancer.
0: There was a story that came out on him with uh, – with. Uh... Well, Scotty Bowers wrote that book. Full service is really trashy book. He mm. kind of, he said he was like a pimp. Right. And the, the, what he said about Charles Lawton, it was it was insane. It was stuff about you know like Nutella. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> it <involved laughs> stuff Nutella. like Nutella.
1: Use your use yeah. your imagination. But
0: she, <laughs> you know, he was famously he was gay. And she found out about it. Apparently the story is, or the legend is that, uh, uh, they, she caught, she walked home, she came home and found him on a sofa with a young man and she threw the sofa out the window and never spoke about it again. That's, that's the legend. Uh, sure. Now, there, I think she wrote a bio, an autobiography and, and mentions it there uh, about his homosexuality. So, Well,
1: I read and I read some that she, she tried in her book. She tried to blame the fact that she never had kids on the fact that he was gay. But then other people that were close with him said, no, he was actually bi. And the reason that she didn't have kids was either because she didn't want to or because of medical issues that she had. So I don't know what the real issue was, but...
0: Yeah, um, it was uh, an interesting marriage for sure. Yeah, and yeah. she had, um, and I love that her choices though. She, you know, at the she did a, the movie. Um, she did an amazing episode of uh, the Night Gallery that Rod Serling show where she, mm-hmm. you know, with green, literally like fingers that were plants. And uh, Willard, she played the 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 <laughs> crazy uh, uh, a mother in Willard. Mm-hmm. Um, the the rap movie, I love that. She was a Murder by Death, which if you haven't seen Murder by Death, that was made in '76. And it has all these uh, uh, old, you know, now like Maggie Smith and David Niven played uh, um, uh, old type. Peter Laurie played Sam Spade. I mean, Peter Lo- um, Peter Falk played Sam Spade, yeah. and um, Charlie Chan was played by uh peter sellers all these you know and she played um miss marple i think it was i think it was uh, like a nag the Christie thing too anyway it was a great movie this a very very funny movie truma capote nancy walker one of those all-star casts mm-hmm. anyway the point that was, i think you could probably just delete all that shit what i found <laughs> what was interesting this was something i found uh, about elsa lanchester and her hair in Bride of Frankenstein, the famous the awesome, you know, hostess awesome cupcake hair. hairdo, you know, yeah, yeah. And I found a couple of quotes about it, and she said, "Oh shit, Alexa, stop,
1: <laughs> Alexa." <laughs> so I found a couple. Stop, found- <laughs> stop, Alexa, no, stop. <laughs>
0: She, uh, I found a couple of quotes about her and her hair and she said it was accomplished by combing it over a wire mesh cage. And she said it was, it was extremely painful and her eyes were kept taped wide open for the long takes.
1: I always assumed it was a wig. Why would they do that to her real hair? That's well, I would crazy. imagine
0: it was hair pieces, but it was like, sure. you know, it was, but it was all, it was a, it was a cage basically. It to stitched together, hair. I guess. Yeah. 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 Wow. But she said the most memorable thing I did in that film, I believe, was my screaming. In all my movies since, I've been called upon to scream. I don't know mm-hmm. if it's by chance, but I'd like to think that I'm not hired for that talent alone. <laughs> and, uh. She says, it annoys me when mothers drag their poor dears to me and demand that children say something to Frankenstein's bride. Can you imagine an actress being overexposed by a picture she made 40 years ago? Mm. Okay. Some people would, would would kill for that and, yeah. uh, and literally kill for that. <laughs> and on her marriage to Charles Lawton, she said, we both needed other company. I met his young man. This is something she, I guess she said. So I met... Her, I met his young men and I had a young man around that Charles didn't even argue about. Oh, so interesting. Apparently it was well known to them, but eventually, you know, you're just going to whatever, you know, that's, yeah. that's, I guess. But, um, but yeah. She All said, be the, the fact that Charles Lawton said, I have a face that would stop a sundial. That's funny. <laughs> that's very funny.
1: He did have an, an odd, an odd face. That is for sure. Yeah. Um, so you want to move on to Dracula? I want. I oh want sure. To talk you talk know, one, about one Dracula. thing that's kind of
0: interesting to, to talk, about, we this is something that should be, and I think it, it relates to Dracula well. So it's a good sure. it's a good segue. A segue. All right. Um, Dwight Fry, who played hmm. uh, who played uh, Fritz in Frankenstein, yeah, was the guy who played Renfield in Dracula.
1: Both kind so of sidekicks to villain ish like characters, but very, yeah. very physically very different performances, which is, and it's in the same year he did those two movies. Yeah. It's crazy. He's in both. Yeah.
0: It's very interesting. So he was, oh, and also, I'm sure we're going to get flack because we call Boris Karloff Frankenstein, but it's actually the Frankenstein monster. It was Dr. Frankenstein, right. so you are yeah, aware it, of that. Although, if you ever watch the movie,
1: <laughs> there is at least one instance where they refer to him as Frankenstein, I believe. Not just. Okay. The well, you yeah, it works but for me. That, but that is a common mistake about. that people make. Yeah. Dr. Frankenstein is the doctor who created Frankenstein's monster, which is the yeah. monster. Yeah. But everybody just calls him. Who's
0: now known just, as Frankenstein.
1: Just accept that we all call the monster Frankenstein.
0: If you look it up, Google Frankenstein, you're not going to get Colin Clive. You're going (laughs) to get Boris Karloff. You know, right, right, right,
1: right. (laughs) You're not going to get a, uh, a, a, you're not going to get a a Colin Clive Halloween mask. You're going to get a (laughs) Boris Karloff Halloween mask. All right. Damn right.
0: (laughs) <laughs> Damn right. So, uh, so Dwight Fry—he played Renfield in Dracula, played Fritz in, in Frankenstein. He was also in The Invisible Man and in The Bride of Frankenstein. Wow! And he was never called Igor. There was never Igor was a uh, was a word I think that came out of the Shelley novel. It was never used ever in in any of the films. So you know, it's always a Igor name, but that was right. in the Mary Shelley book, not in any movies. Which That's is, interesting. Yeah, interesting. I noticed
1: they called him Fritz, and I thought that was odd because he seemed like the Igor type character, but they didn't call him. Yeah, that. and
0: then yeah. and Young signed it's Igor. So why uh, wouldn't they? Uh, I don't,
1: why wouldn't they? Why would they change that? I wonder.
0: But apparently, apparently, Dwight Fry died on a bus in Hollywood.
1: Yeah, I believe he was riding. Uh, he had been to the movies with, I think, his son maybe or something, and they were riding a bus coming home, and yeah, he had a, a heart attack.
0: It See, was, I know I I went on a deep dive looking for that and I couldn't find anything. It was huh. it said that he died on a bus, and I went through all the nineteen forty-three papers and uh it mentions that he died, you know, of a heart attack, but it doesn't tell you uh where he or it doesn't tell you that it was on a you know, he's pronounced dead right. I believe at the Hollywood Hospital, which is now the Wilcox police station. That's where that's where it was. Same place Fred Mertz was pronounced dead.
1: Yeah, he was only 44, and uh, he had a heart. Apparently, had a heart condition, um, and Hmm. he just had a heart attack. Man, you know, and this is like a a recurring theme, and it's going to come up again in this episode. Is young people, especially young actors, youngish at least, you know, 20s, 30s, 40s, who you would think are you know in fit condition, and just I think it's just the a a result of the era that they were in. Just so many like serious heart and health issues um, that a lot of these. Uh, actors had um, that they seems like I mean, they are I they were probably taking, cunning, you know, young-ish.
0: mercury cocktails and asbestos, uh, right. you know, <laughs> the costumes, you there know. Was,
1: yeah, the costumes <laughs> were horrible for them to make up. I mean, there's, the, of course, all the famous makeup from The Wizard of Oz, and the incidents they yeah. had with that, but also just there was really no health and fitness science, at least not in the way that we know it today. And people just drank heavily and smoked heavily and and their bodies were just ripped up. It's like they yeah. it's like they aged faster uh because uh, yeah. of because the way they lived. Um and then there are also I think of, a lot of yeah. just there were a lot of like serious health conditions that aren't as big of a deal now that we've kind of learned to deal with that they had no answer to back then too, on yeah. top of that. So yeah.
0: And mental health issues too, that mm-hmm. were just oh, you know, get over it uh <laughs> kind of thing. Like Colin Clive, you know, Colin Clive was a guy that was just destroyed uh by you know, by drinking. And um we
1: want to talk about Colin Clive? sure yeah i don't i mean i don't have a lot
0: of information about him but
1: i really wanted to talk about him because he was he was kind of a fascinating character of course he's dr frankenstein he's famous for the you know it's alive it's alive uh you know uh famous quote when frankenstein monster you know comes alive you know he's talking about how he now he knows what it's like to be a god um which is what frankenstein's kind of all about right man pretending to be god and then it you know, it turning it backfiring on him. Um, so he apparently had tuberculosis and then was a, a pretty bad alcoholic and it was what well, his mm-hmm. alcohol issues were well known. I guess he was it was always passing out on set, you know, when they weren't rolling. And I even caught saw I don't know if this is true, but I saw one claim that like when they would go to do over the shoulder shots on him, there were times when he had to be held up practically to stand in the shot. <laughs> Uh, because wow. he was just, he had, he's just a kind of a fall down drunk alcoholic, unfortunately. Um, and they had tuberculosis on top of that. So that's a bad combination. And he passed away in 1937, which was just two years after Bride of Frankenstein. So he was only 37 years old himself. And I guess, uh, Peter Lorre was one of his pallbearers.
0: Yeah, I think he was at uh, at uh, at under McKinley on Hollywood Boulevard, which is where Bella, which is where uh, the Fritz guy, um, Dwight Fry, and you know Criswell hmm. and all those guys were all buried out of that mortuary.
1: So here's what I hear. I, I correct me if I'm wrong, but he was cremated at Chapel of the Pines.
0: Oh, was he? Okay, is that where? Well, he's, okay. So that I don't know makes where sense. the
1: memorial was held, though. I mean, I don't think the memorial was held at the crematorium, but um, so it might have been. Right. I don't know, but what's here's what's weird. So, three hundred people show up at his funeral, and 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 then he wasn't buried. He was cremated, and apparently his cremains sat in the basement of the crematorium for forty years, yeah. and it wasn't until nineteen seventy eight. That they were finally like, we should do something with this guy, and they went and scattered him at sea. But he sat there for over forty years, and apparently the reason that I read is, or the speculation is, that he he was married back in England before he moved to the U.S. And when he came to Hollywood, he left his wife behind, and they I think were separated by this point. And then I think he had, you know he had girlfriends or whatever out here, and so the only person that could legally take possession of his remains was his wife. And they were separated and estranged, and I guess she didn't want them or didn't want to go through the hassle of bringing them back to England or whatever. And so no one claimed them or could legally claim them or yeah. her, and that was it. And you've run into those situations when you do the headstones for people uh, trying to get permission, yeah. right?
0: Yeah. So, yeah, at Chapel of the Pines, that was mostly a crematorium. You know, now they they Mm -hmm. have burials or columbariums is when they bury ashes, you know, so they have a lot of that around there now. But underneath it is storage. And there are thousands of people underneath there in boxes (laughs) with with names on them and to get you know, there are a lot of actors down there. One of the people we were looking for was Steven Stucker, who played Johnny in airplane. You know, mm-hmm. I can make a brooch, I can make a pterodactyl. Yeah, yeah. He was down there for many years too. And you have to go through a legal process to to get them out because you have to prove there's no next of kin. Ann Sheridan is another actress. My friend Karen McHale uh went through that whole legal process. They did find someone that was a next of kin to sign the paperwork to have that person removed from Basically, a shelf in the basement and uh and then presented to this family member who then mm-hmm. they buried or put her in, in a columbarium in hollywood cemetery so yeah there there's a long exhausting process that you have to go through legally to get somebody's cremains
1: and I guess you know it's it's <laughs> once you do it, if you scatter someone at sea, you can't undo that, so if they get it wrong yeah that's a yeah. a big lawsuit, I'm sure, so they gotta make sure yeah. that you know they dot their eyes and cross their t's. Um And apparently at the Chapel of the Pines Crematorium, there's a cenotaph to Colin Clive there. Oh, is, is there? A, a marker marker? Okay, th- There's a marker, but he's not buried there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I mean, coincidentally, imagine a lot of coincidentally
1: those. in the c- in the cemetery that's kind of next door, as I think where Todd Browning is is buried. There's like a mausoleum. there. That's
0: right. Angelus Rosedale. Yeah. yeah. And we didn't talk about so James Whale, the Frankenstein. I mean, yeah, Frankenstein director. He's buried yeah. at Forest Lawn Glendale. Uh, okay. uh, Dwight Fry, who played uh, Renfield and Fritz, he's buried at Forest Lawn Glendale.
2: Uh,
0: uh, Elsa Lanchester, who played the Bride, died at the Motion Picture Country home right. and was scattered at sea. Charles Lawton, the uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame, or Notre Dame, is buried full burial at Forest Lawn Hollywood Hills. So mm-hmm. they're they're all over the place. And Colin <laughs> Clive, scattered. You said, oh, he's in the basement, but he has a cenotaph. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. He's still in storage no yeah, they um he was
1: of... uh clive was uh was finally scattered at sea in the 70s and but there's a cenotaph for him at the crematorium
0: okay yeah interesting so you now, okay yeah it's wild right yeah very very very
1: i just it's amazing it's, that um... 300 people show up at his funeral and then but then no one is there to take his ashes and actually bury him <laughs> It's like they all were just like, well, I guess that's getting taken care of. So I'll go home now. Some
0: people, yeah, I guess they just don't care. I <laughs> mean, some do. people just don't care. Or uh, you look, when you go you to a lie.
1: funeral, the family is handling all of that, so you don't think you're not thinking about it, I guess. And yeah, we, I mean, somebody paid for the,
0: the cremation. Yeah, unless that's the reason that he's there, because there's a lot of people that just haven't paid the mm. bill and they're in storage. So, so <laughs> that might be kinda... part of it too, because he was 37, <laughs> and and those people were not making. A whole lot of money. I think Elsa Lanchester. I looked it up. She she got paid for Bride of Frankenstein twenty five hundred dollars. That was it. Now today's money. I did a comparison. It's fifty two thousand today. But that's with no royalties, no residuals, nothing. Just fifty two k. One, you know, and that's and she's typecast for the rest of her life. And that's why a lot of interesting.
1: That's why a lot of them like Bella Lugosi could get destitute pretty fast. Yeah. Even though you think they're these yeah. huge stars raking in all this money, uh, they weren't. You know, if you weren't at that top, top, top A list level, you were just making enough to live comfortably, but not enough to, I guess, unless you were really smart with your money to save it up so that you could survive yeah. the lean years. You know,
0: yeah, unless yeah. you got a piece of the production, you know, right for sure. Yep, because um, yeah, Bella especially. I mean, having no really other career aside from Dracula, um, you know, he couldn't look at him and not see Dracula. So. It, but, uh, yeah, it really it ruined him. It really ruined him.
1: So Lugosi was both not only ruined by being typecasted, but also just we talked about this earlier. His accent and his you know his uh, his English wasn't always very clear. It hindered his career going forward. The speaking mm-hmm. parts he wanted to get. Um, in fact, one of his later films they actually dubbed over him, uh, which was very bad for his career. Um, and because uh, uh, he had the Hungarian accent, he had immigrated to the U.S through uh, from Hungary by way of, I think, Germany in route Mm -hmm. and uh, 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 kind of was run out of Hungary and was married to a a Hungarian woman. And she they kind of fled the country together because the political situation changed in the country. Uh, But then she didn't want to leave her parents behind. So they ended up divorcing and she moved back to Hungary. So, uh, again, like so many of these stars from that era, I think he was married, you know, multiple times over the years uh, to various people.
0: Yeah, he. I mean, he he had uh, a lot of success. I mean, he was a really wealthy man at one point, right? You know, but they ended up dying in this crappy little apartment building, one bedroom, you know, <laughs> off of it, Western it, in it, Hollywood
1: with <laughs> with parts in Ed Wood movies. <laughs> you know, like, so that yeah. was that was yeah. How it ended. Yeah, but his role as Dracula. If you, I mean, go watch that movie today. It is what we think of as Dracula is what he did. Like he almost like created the mold of the Dracula character with the accent and the hair and makeup and every, I mean, it's when you, when kids dress up as Dracula for Halloween, they're dressing up as Bella Lugosi's Dracula, basically his interpretation. Yeah, yeah for sure. You know?
0: And there was, I mean, some of that was pretty, some of it was pretty, <laughs> it was pretty laughable, you know, some <laughs> of it, I mean, you know, I mean, I don't want to just, you know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't even just acting. It was just him staring that's all it was. He moved you know? with the really cool this, like, lighting Joe just on the eyes. Lighting. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, it was, That's that German
1: so, expression
2: was, as was, a man.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was pretty campy. I, I think in that regard, they're, it's kind of funny when he when it has this that that kind of just staring for thirty seconds. You know, it's, I understand the intensity of it in the cinema when you saw it for the very first time. It's just in retrospect when you're watching it on your television in your living room, you're kind of it's a little bit of a you know snort when you see it you know
1: <laughs> and when uh we when we did our freaks episode we mentioned that um you know Todd Browning when he he wanted to do Dracula but he um he didn't he wanted uh Lon Chaney to play Dracula mm-hmm. and that was the plan but then the year before they made Dracula Chaney died unexpectedly he was only 47 years old uh had a throat hemorrhage after getting a, a lung cancer uh diagnosis um, and so Cheney really Lugosi was not Cheney or was not uh, Todd Browning's first choice, um, but he went with him mm-hmm. anyways. And of course, you know, it became the, the 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 role that defined the rest of Lugosi's life.
0: Yeah, and he lived it too. I mean he he did that whole you know live in a castley kind of house thing, <laughs> and had the big oil painting, and he was very grand and uh um yeah, it was very. I I I went to. Uh, I was. I worked with a guy briefly in uh, at the cemetery at Hollywood Cemetery back when I worked there for like five weeks in 2005. They, yeah, they wanted me to go door to door selling funerals, and it was awful. Mm. It was awful. I went to their whole school. I think I remember the exchange. Yeah. <laughs> I tell but you probably heard the story. So then the guy says, "Oh yeah, I lived in. I live in Bella's old house up in Outlook." and uh and he says hey, i read a biography that he he had like panthers buried in the backyard so i went outside and found them he went what? and dug them up bella's panthers it was in this biography and he went out inside and he goes yeah i found them in the backyard
1: actual panthers
0: <laughs> yeah i think it was what it was either Holy big dogs cow. or panthers but but well, that was the way they were back then you know may west had a monkey i know it's not the same thing but uh uh there pets. were there somebody, it was a theater Theta Barra, I think, had one, too, but uh, a leopard or something like that. Right. Well, uh, I mean,
1: Randolph, William Randolph Hearst had an entire zoo <laughs> at, at his yeah, right. castle. So, yeah, I guess that was it was, uh, was a was a flex, a, a financial yeah. flex, I guess. Um, I thought it was uh, well, you're speaking of, uh, you know, Ed Wood and everything. Um, the uh, uh, the Ed Wood film, um, the 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 one that Burton did, Tim Burton did. I guess Legosi's family took issue with the, some of the creative liberties that were taken with that, like yeah. saying that Legosi slept in a coffin. No, kind of, that kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, they're like he did I got the ch- I got
0: a chance to talk to uh, Martin Landau one time, who won oh, the Oscar amazing. for playing Bella. Yeah, yeah. I, I got him to autograph my Edward poster too, to do a party, oh. but that was cool. But anyway, he um, I asked him about that. I said, well, "Did you what you know Bella Junior? You obviously Bella. you usually say Bella. It's not Bella, but everyone says Bella." Uh, you know, you, what did he have to say about it? And, and Bella, Bella Lugosi Jr., Bella's son, said, I like everything about what you did, except Bella never had little dogs and he never swore. Mm, so that right. was because, you know, he was pretty raunchy with the with the with the language, not mm. raunchy as in, you know, just use some colorful words. Sure. And he said Bella would never do that. And he never had little chihuahuas or something like that. <laughs> that was the only issues he took with it. <laughs> But uh, but he won an Oscar for playing Bello Lugosi, and of the never came within a mile of one. Right, so it's kind of funny the irony. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Bello. So he was. I mean, also he was the first person to go. Uh, you know, really the first famous person to go into rehab. You know, that for uh, coke. That uh, was a morphine addiction. And, yeah, opiates. Uh, he, he apparently
1: he apparently had a, a sciatica, sciatica, which is uh, mm-hmm. I've I had some issues with that um i think uh, uh last year uh, extremely painful the nerve down that goes through your your hip bones and into your leg down your whole leg yeah it it's really sharp a really sharp terrible pain so he he was he was given kind of stronger and stronger treatments for it until they got him on opiates and then yeah he became an mm-hmm. addict i didn't know about the the rehab part though
0: yeah there's pictures of him uh being checked into rehab on a hospital huh. bed looking very old and gaunt Uh, but yeah, he, he, I think it was a sanitarium is what they called it back then. But yeah, Mm -hmm. he, he, he admitted himself to it and it was in all the papers. So he was like, he went public and, uh, that's probably why no one would touch him after that. And that's how he got into Ed Wood movies, you know, cause I'd met him on Hollywood Boulevard, you know, that's Bella's old. So talk
1: about that. Let's go, let's go into the Ed Wood stuff because you kind of know a lot about that. And when didn't we, um, when we did Dearly Departed volume one, didn't we go into the cigar shop that he used to go to? Yeah, Amazon which Hollywood is gone Boulevard. now.
0: Yeah. It's all boarded yeah, so, up and gone. So that's yeah. historic footage that we uh yeah, that's cool. <laughs> it is. It really is. I mean, that was such a neat place. They had the cigar and the terrazzo out in front of it and that was a neat the Hollywood smoke shop. So, yeah, Bella lived over on Western and uh and interestingly, not very far from Vampira uh where she mm-hmm. ended up dying. Like literally like 3 blocks from there. But uh but Bella every day of his life would walk down Hollywood Boulevard to this cigar store and buy himself a cigar. And that's the, about the time he met up with Ed Wood. And the, the funeral home where Bella was laid out in his Dracula costume, and not because he chose it, because it's the nicest thing they had. His wife and his son chose it. Not in his cape, though, just the just the suit. The cape actually got auctioned off a few years ago and it's gonna go in the Academy Museum uh next year, I think. Mm. They're gonna they're gonna show that. But um, anyway, so at, at his funeral, Utter McKinley Mortuary, which was across from the Pantages Theater and the Hollywood Smoke Shop, now is the W Hotel, uh, the Oops. Utter McKinley Mortuary the, who handled Peg N. Twistle, who jumped up the Hollywood sign, handled Bella, handled uh, Dwight Fry, we talked about, uh, the guy that played Fritz, um, handled Criswell, Handled a, a lot of a lot of you mm-hmm. know those people. The, supposedly the mortuary had an agreement with Hollywood Boulevard and that they would not, or with the Chamber of Commerce, they wouldn't drive funeral processions down Hollywood Boulevard. So Bella's oh, funeral was at Good Shepherd Catholic Church in Beverly Hills, and he's buried at Holy Cross Cemetery. And they had to get from Hollywood to Beverly Hills, so. <laughs> The legend is that, uh, that Bella was in the back of the hearse, and the hearse driver was pulling out of the driveway, and, his, uh, and he lost control of the hearse. He said the wheel was not literally ripped from his hand, but he could not control it, and the wheel took them onto Hollywood Boulevard. And he said he struggled mm. with the wheel, could not get it under control until they passed the Hollywood smoke shop. So they said it was oh. Holly, you know, Bella's final farewell to Hollywood Boulevard.
1: That is really interesting. Well wow. It's a good story. Yeah. Yeah. And so the, the the Hollywood Chamber of Commerce didn't want funeral processions ruining the vibe. <laughs> yeah, of, right. The classy <laughs> vibe of Hollywood Boulevard.
0: <laughs> mm. Oh, poor Bella. But uh, mm. yeah, so he, he's buried at Holy Cross in a Dracula suit, but not the cape. And yeah uh, so
1: the the and the I guess the legend is he's buried in the cape so you're saying that's not true that's
0: right yeah he was i think he was good friends with Forrest Ackerman and Ackerman was that guy who had everything he was Mr Sci-Fi they called him he had a house and mm-hmm. he had a museum and he was friends with with all these guys he had he had the original cape and he had the original Dracula ring and all that business and when Forrest Ackerman died it all kind of went up into the uh into the sky and all landed all over the place. But Bella's cape did go up for auction. I think Julian's. I'm not sure it's sold, but the Academy has it and they're gonna put it in the museum. That's what they say.
1: That's fantastic. I need to go yeah, to the museum. Yeah. It opened recently by the way. It finally
0: opened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i
1: have friends who have gone i have not gone i have friends who don't live in la who have gone and i haven't gone yet <laughs> well
0: if you go to my youtube channel mike i walk through the whole museum with my camera you? <laughs> yeah <It'll> be <laughs> so like i'm actually the entire there. museum <laughs> so um, how'd you like it yeah i enjoyed it i was expecting yeah. i was hoping for a little bit more clutter you know, I like it more to be stuff. a little bit more silly and hodgepodge. I don't need it to be designed mm-hmm. within an inch of its life and there was a lot of that, but that's that's the deal. That's what they did. Yeah. They hired they had gajillions of dollars to do it and they hired you know, all these people to do it. So I I, I would have liked to see more stuff. The Hollywood Museum Hollywood History Museum on on Highland I love cuz it's so it's just all wacky, you know. It's everywhere <laughs> something amazing. You know, the self yeah. and science of the lambs. Oh, there's Mae West's uh, you know, doors and this it's the kind of stuff I like. I liked it a lot. And that's in I'm the that's,
1: and that's the one that's in the old the old barn that was was it was
0: it Demel- No, this is, this one's the old Max Factor Museum. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, okay. that's okay. right. Hollywood History Museum is across from the bowl, Hollywood yeah. Bowl in the old barn. You're right. And yeah. uh and uh the Hollywood uh museum, I guess they just call it, is on Hollywood and Highland in the old Max Factor building. I and gotcha. they they just have a cool collection of stuff. But as I say, I love the Academy. It was wonderful. I was love seeing the Ruby slippers and mm-hmm. and uh and as a filmmaker you'll lose your mind in there, you know, with the cameras right. and, and et cetera. It was very and, and seeing R2D two and C three one of the 500 of them you know it was interesting (laughs) (laughs) but uh but uh i liked it i enjoyed it i i definitely glad i and
1: and i'm sure you know this is the opening this is this first iteration i'm sure over over the years they'll acquire more things and i i think they'll have rotating exhibits Uh, i'm also really 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 excited about the the movie theater that they built Um, Mm -hmm. which was somewhat divisive though the way it was the design it looks like i think it looks like a big egg. It's like a ball, Yeah. Um, but, uh, but I think yeah. it's freaking really cool, and I can't wait to see a film in it. I think it'll be really exciting. Yeah,
0: so. it'll be. I hope it's, Um, you know, the way they had it set up, because I was one of the doning, donating members, so I got like to see the preview before it opened. Oh, opened. right on. And um, so it was awesome because you had to book it. You had a certain period of time to go. I don't know what it's going to be like otherwise. It was great because there's elbow room up, like crazy right. and there was you know you could go up to see the ruby slippers there weren't thousand people there you walk right. away and they're all by themselves and no one's there and you can go back you know, you could really take it all in if you want to uh so i don't know if they're going to have a free for all a policy after this and you know there's going to be a thousand people a time in, e- in each room but when I, the way yeah. i experienced it was really nice i i i really enjoyed it
1: I'm planning on joining it as, like, a member, and I got, like, the – I think I did do, like, the early contribution. I think I donated, like, 25 bucks or something like that. Yeah. You know, when they were first doing, like, their fundraising, right? Um, But I do plan on joining uh, as a member. I'm a LACMA member, and that's next door, so it kind of makes sense uh, Mm -hmm. to just join both of them, right? Um, And I I like supporting that kind of stuff, so –
0: I did like 40 bucks or 50 bucks and yeah, mm-hmm. so I got, I got the invitation out of that. So I was like, cool. Uh, you know, <laughs> right. sorry, I'll go for free. Sure. I think I did
1: look into it early on. I looked into um, how much you would need to contribute to get your name like on the wall.
0: Oh my gosh. In
1: the thing. And I, I think, don't quote me on this, but I think it was like 250 grand was the minimum to get up there.
0: Yeah. You know, it was a tauntsy, you know. freaking, you know, pretentious. I hate these people. Okay, I'm <laughs> gonna tell you something. <laughs> these people <laughs> didn't give a crap about any of this stuff before. The Academy, yeah, I'm talking about this this goes back to Debbie Reynolds again. Debbie Reynolds, yeah. hard ass. She bought all those costumes, all those props from classic MGM movies. She spent her entire life. She mortgaged her house to get these things. To save the to to save save stuff these from the costumes. Clusters. The yeah. freaking seven-year-rich dress. She had the, you know, she she had, you know, costumes. She had the witch's hat. She had all these amazing costumes and not a single person would give her the time of day. The Academy said, go to hell. Right. They didn't say that. And Steven Spielberg, she had a meeting with him personally. No, sell it. David Geffen, no, get rid of it. The Academy, go, get rid of it. We don't want it. And all of a sudden, Debbie Reynolds, you know, it's close to death. She says, I got to sell this shit. And she, you know, put off an uh, on auction and then they come to Todd Fisher, Debbie's son and say, we want to use these costumes of your mothers. And he's like, what? (laughs) He says, I'll tell you what I'll do it, but I want you to name, you know, something like the Debbie Reynolds pavilion in there because she deserves that. Uh, It just, it just really, Oh, it just rubs me the wrong way. These people didn't, you know, she knew what they had her literally her heart was in it and, and it mattered to her. And when she died, nobody cared. And now, you know, now they're all about, you know we're gonna put you know i love what i saw i just yeah. I, I have a real chip on my Look, shoulder when it comes to that least, stuff i guess it's they, a better you know. better
1: late than never but yeah it would have been nice if she could have got the glory while she was still around and yeah
0: i mean she was she yeah. worked her butt off she she had like four deals she had Hollywood and Highland was built specifically with her museum in mind and and it fell through. Right. Another one at the corner of Hollywood and Vine was supposed to happen. That didn't go through. Dollywood was supposed to happen. All these investors were like bugging out. And right. uh, and, you know, so now you can pay two hundred fifty thousand dollars to get your name on a wall. You know, <laughs> it's like, oh, <laughs> screw you. You know, Debbie Reynolds <laughs> mortgaged your House to buy this stuff. And you're going to get your little name on the wall and feel good about <laughs> that. Eat me, well, that pisses me <laughs> <off>. I'm sorry
1: <laughs> how do you really feel about it though I, I just I think I'm just I
0: really do I think I'm just yeah. in that I, I find yeah, that yeah. to be really shitty so um yeah so yeah but,
1: but again anyway. better late than never at least it exists finally true Hollywood That's finally true. has it's... like a big budget fully funded history museum dedicated to the film industry um, yeah. so hopefully it'll Took just you know, only get better and grow go from here. Yeah. Bella Dagosi, uh I don't know if we mentioned this, Lugosi passed away from a heart attack on August sixteenth, nineteen fifty-six, and he was seventy-three right. years old. And then he oh, hijacked gosh. his hearse from beyond the grave. Yeah.
0: Oh, you know what? <laughs> I met the woman who had the first line in Dracula. What? Uh, she's she's in the carriage in Dracula and she plays she's a little girl with glasses on. I think she has the first line in the movie. Sure. Well, when the
1: f- guy's on his way to to the little village,
0: yeah, next to the Renfield. castle, yeah. Uh, so yeah. yeah, her name was Carla Lamely, and she was the niece of Carl, Lamily, the producer the head of universal studios who founded it. Oh, wild. And, uh, <laughs> and she was doing, uh, she, she died just a couple of years ago. She was like 104, but, uh, but she was doing a thing at the Hollywood history museum one night. So I went up there and got to take a picture with her. That was really cool to meet, meet a woman who was in Dracula, Hell you know, yeah. 1931 was, was really, really neat. And I got another story. I saw mm-hmm. Bram Stoker's skull. <laughs> what? Bram Stoker, who wrote Dracula, mm-hmm. was cremated and, in London. And he's at Golders Green crematorium. And he's in a locked area. So this is back in the 90s, uh, early 90s, before there was the internet. So find a grave. None of that shit was around. And I was doing some research. So I went to Golders Green. And I uh, I was peeking, actually, in this locked area. Anna Pavlola, the ballerina, is in there. Sigmund Freud is in there. Uh, Conrad yeah. Veidt, the actor, he hadn't been moved there yet, but he's in there. And he ultimately was in there. But anyway, I I talked to a guy who worked there and he goes, oh, I'll show you. So we came on and he unlocked the door and we go up this weird staircase. And on the staircase is this this little box. This is Bram Stoker on it. And, uh, and I got to peek in and he lifts up. And this is when they didn't pulverize. They cremated, but they didn't pulverize yet. So there are bones and bits of skull in there that I saw. So I saw Bram Stoker's skull in real life. And then they wow. let me watch a cremation, which was crazy. They just, wow. you know, they're showing me around and they, I got to go to the different, you know, ovens or retorts and and see the whole process. It was really, they're so nice. I'm sure they wouldn't do it now, but that's where Amy Winehouse right. was cremated and, and, and Keith Moon and, uh, and, uh, the Mark Bolan, and Peter Sellers and, uh, all these George Michael, uh, was done there and Freddie Mercury. <laughs> so everyone's been done at Golders Green, but, uh, but yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Wow. Did you want to talk about Lon Chaney Jr.?
0: No, we can skip that actually. <laughs> and I think and we really, probably we'll probably skip Vincent Price too. Yeah, like well, I mean, well, just as a as a mention, you know, and then not to be dismissive, because Phantom of the Opera is a great movie. It's a silent movie about opera. <laughs> <laughs> you know, which is interesting, to Demont. I'm just saying. I'm not saying it, it's lacking anything. I'm just saying it yeah. was a silent movie. Who greenlit this? You know, although it's a it, classic. It's a classic story. And Lon Chaney, who uh, who was also played the Hunch- Hunchback of Notre Dame before, uh, played uh, played the Phantom, and uh, it, it was really it was really interesting and really very interesting, actually. What was important to me to mention. Was that on a soundstage at Universal Studios for decades was the original wall from the Paris Opera House from Phantom of the Opera by Lon Chaney? So it was covered. It was still in the soundstage that they used. And it was covered, you know, obviously while they were filming other things, but it was there. And if you went to the tour, sometimes if they weren't filming in that particular soundstage, stage 28, it was also the stage where they filmed Bride of Frankenstein and Frankenstein. And uh, and also it should be noted that uh, the same guy that did the props for Frankenstein was the guy that helped on Young Frankenstein and the Munsters uh because huh. uh, that they were that universal that that was universal had the rights to the monsters because it was dracula and frankenstein etc but uh anyway stage 28 had the original wall from the paris opera house with the booth that the phantom sat in and they tore it down. <laughs> <laughs> you know, i'm not right. we're talking about like five years ago they tore it down.
1: right right or they that's, still had it, is,
0: it yeah so uh so that that is kind of kind of there you are there you are that's hollywood so um
1: you know yeah. what I did want to mention I I know we're we're close to wrapping this up but we, we we're talking about Lon Chaney and Lon Chaney Jr. of course was the Wolfman uh yeah. in Universal and all the sequels the original Wolfman in 41 and then the sequels. Um I thought it was interesting you know he he was obviously in the shadow of his father who uh who had died young uh himself and um Originally wasn't going into acting and didn't really pursue acting until after his father died. And I did not know anything really about Lon Chaney Jr. But apparently his mother attempted suicide in L.A. in 1913. She entered the theater, which is no longer there. It was a theater in downtown L.A. uh, where uh, Lon Chaney, the father, was, uh, was working. She entered the theater and swallowed a vial of poison but didn't die. But... She was could, no longer okay. a part of Cheney, no longer a part of Lon Cheney Jr.'s life, and he apparently was led to believe that she was dead and did not know that she was still alive until after his father died in 1930.
0: <laughs> wow, that's something. Yep.
1: There's some drama. So she
0: went to she committed suicide in a the theater. She tried she, to not she, at home. She attempted
1: but didn't succeed. And then I don't know what I don't know if she was committed after that or what happened, but he was apparently estranged from her from then on and was led to believe that she was dead and didn't know it until he, until his father died that she was still Interesting. alive. Yep.
0: Hmm. I knew that, that uh, Lon Chaney Jr. Wasn't called Lon Chaney Jr. Until his father died. Right. He changed his own name from, um, Creighton. I think right. it was his, was his name. So, and then he, be, he became the wolf man. And, uh, yeah. And then and was that weird? I just read it on. I just saw it. something like they're the only father son U.S. postage stamp people. Oh, really? You know, they both when they did the Universal <laughs> Monsters, both Lon Chaney Jr. and Lon Chaney ended up on the stamps. Oh, uh, wow. U.S. postal stamps, different ones. So yeah. I think it's the only time that's happened. But uh, and, and the other thing about Lon Chaney Sr. is that a he made like almost 160 films. And of those 160 films, over a hundred of them are lost. <laughs> you know, I mean, just never found. They're just missing. Because something so like, only like 50... something
1: like 90 plus percent of films from the silent era are gone forever.
0: Yeah, so only 50 of his films out of almost 160 are here. You know, still right. survive. It's uh, that's, that's that's really interesting. Uh, again, it says a lot about. Well, you know, it was a disposable time. Nobody knew it was going to have the longevity that uh, also there just wasn't
1: a way there wasn't a good way to store it because film itself is extremely uh brittle and and hard to store long term and it's extremely flammable and a lot of these old films were lost to fires and also they just lost because the film fell apart and to your point because they were disposable and you know theater houses just threw them away when they were done running them
0: did we ever talk about the silent
1: movie theater murder in I don't LA. know if we've ever gone into that. No, not on the show.
0: It's, we should. That's a a great story. I mean, it's probably it's for a different time. But the 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 irony of that being that the the mother the what, husband and wife that created the Silent Movie Theater, the only American movie theater devoted just to silent movies, over on Fairfax. You know, mm-hmm. places where Charlie Chaplin would slip in, or Clara Bow would slip in during a screening to see their own movies for the hell of it. You know, yeah. and uh, the man and the woman who created this place, uh, he died from cancer from the chemicals of preserving the films. You know, wow. and, they, <laughs> and and also, but I mean, the story about the guy who inherited it getting murdered in the, you know, we should talk about this sometime. It's it's so much to take on, but his name was Lawrence Austin, and he was murdered in the at the box office of this at right. this movie theater. But he was a film historian and they saved, like, they have a lot of prints of movies that were long gone, thought to be gone. So, uh, so there is a, there's a real underground, um, sort of industry and in that kind of thing a lot of collectors have these things and right. you know you don't know about it and that's really interesting because why would you want to keep something like that to yourself it's so cool that's the whole reason you have a movie is to watch it and what do you you know what would you do with it you're just going to have it by yourself watch it over and over again it's an ego thing i guess
1: and, uh, and uh, what also happens is uh because you know the library of congress uh and these other film preservation organizations what will happen is they will Sometimes they'll find these old films in pieces. They'll turn up. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, a new some new, a few seconds of footage will show up in an old trailer that was in the, you know, the attic of a movie theater for a hundred years that someone dug up and they realize, Oh my god, it's in the missing minute of this movie where we've only had, you know, ten minutes of it in the past and they'll find a way to kind of stitch different pieces together or sometimes because um, of the way censorship worked back in the early days of film, different cities would have different cuts of the movie because they'd make their own censored cuts to things. Uh, so so it was, it's really wild how they piece together these films to try and preserve them. And yeah, mm-hmm. who knows what is in people's private collections too, that they may not even realize are considered lost films. or Yeah. Or, that have or probably footage in that's them, the whole know.
0: point. It's like Maybe, people that yeah. have, you know, dinosaurs in their <laughs> in their houses, you know. They spend like $25 million on a Tyrannosaurus Rex. It's like, well, I'm sure there's right. an underground, you know, ivory. And, you know, Peep, there is mm-hmm. a whole industry, I'm sure, like that. But it just seems... It's like we talked about James Dean's car. You know, it's like, okay, I have the car. Now what? <laughs> you know, right. I'm just sitting in my house and not telling anybody I have it. It's like mm-hmm. the whole point of having that something that interesting is that you want to show people. So uh it's 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 also very interesting but uh so lon cheney interestingly enough what he was the um his his pallbearers that was an interesting list of people did you see that it's like uh no. paul byrne paul byrne huh. who was murdered you know there's another manson connection yeah the gene harlow murdered in the house that or, or committed shot suicide officially whatever yeah, yeah. Jay Sebring ended up buying the house. L.B. Mayer, Louis Mayer, Lionel Barrymore, Todd Browning, and Ramon wow. Navarro were all pallbearers at Lon Chaney's Amazing. funeral. Yeah, and he's buried in an unmarked grave in, uh, at uh Forest Lawn uh, Glendale in the same mausoleum as James Whale.
1: Navar- uh, Navarro's another one we should do a show on.
0: Yeah, Halloween Night to, by Hostelers. We'll find
1: a way to do one, yeah, yep.
0: There's got to be a yeah, there's got to be like a heart throb or something. Just not more silent movies, I can't. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no more silent movies.
0: I can't do the really, research. <laughs> oh my god, Oh, no, It's hard. It's hard. It's hard to sit through those. I didn't mind, we'll see Phantom of the Opera. There was like 55 minutes. It's like yeah, sign me up. I'm good. <laughs> you know, that's all right. <laughs> also, uh, <laughs> I
1: love I love um the comedies. You know, there's like Chaplin. Uh they're mm. they are cuz they're so the physical comedy is so entertaining. You don't even notice. The lack yeah, of but I like the stunt it's stuff so that they good.
0: did. I mean, that crazy stuff with their hanging over buildings, Buster Keaton, you know, yes. and Harold Lloyd, and all the crazy, crazy stunts. stunts that they did. Yeah, jumping off <laughs> trains yeah. and things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of film oh, safety, man. yeah, yeah. Um, right. All That's right. A good way to end this thing, actually. <laughs> we brought it good... all the
1: way around to full circle. Tragedy. Full circle. <laughs> yes, <laughs> unfortunately. Um all right well, thanks to everybody uh it's uh the end of our thirtieth episode, so we went with the nineteen thirties with the universal monsters and yeah
0: it was it was a lot of it was a lot of a lot of information but thank you yeah thanks for watching I'm glad that you and uh like to spend the time with us and we enjoy doing this so thank you very much
1: yeah and and check out our uh, our patreon our dearly departed pod over on patreon and um, we uh, five dollar subscribers get advanced um, these are these episodes a few days in advance and the two dollar subscribers uh, and five dollar whoever whoever subscribes you also get access to and uh, we do extra like what we call mini episodes every every time we put out one of these so,
0: yeah they end up being like hour long episodes too right. so it's, it's dirt cheap mini, entertainment but they're, <laughs>
1: they're pretty long yeah so uh, and that's where we talk about uh, kind of more recent uh, occurrences deaths you know recent death stuff and, and yeah. personal stuff so yeah check it out and thank you all thank for you. listening yeah. you're amazing appreciate it and a belated happy Halloween and uh, have a good November
0: blah 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 <laughs>
1: This has been an episode of the Dearly Departed Podcast. Dig up more episodes at dearlydepartedpod.com and on iTunes and Google Play. See you next time.
2: Mm